0: Welcome to the Building Stronger Homes podcast, where we apply principles from God's Word, the Bible, to child training and home life. I'm Stephen. And I'm Scott. We are Bible teachers in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, and we're excited to get into God's Word and apply it in our homes. All right, well, uh, welcome to the first episode of this new podcast, and I'm really grateful to be here with Scott um, here in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, and um, to try to put this material into a podcast form. So, Scott, you've been doing this material for quite a while now. How did all this get started?
1: In its present form, it kind of started in East Europe. Um oh, cool. A lot of the, after the Berlin Wall came down, uh, a lot of the new converts over there were young, and then they started getting married. And uh, my brother organized some lectures on the, the home, and he asked me to do... Uh, Uh, lessons on child training and so I've done the series and then several times in Europe and most of the states east of the Mississippi and some of the states west of the Mississippi Uh, so it's kind of since the uh, early to mid 90s I guess but the first time I was asked to teach on home and child training I was like twenty one or twenty two. Yeah. I was not married. I didn't have any kids. I was asked to go over this church to teach on that. I got on the motorcycle, went over there and taught. And really I said some of the same things then that I'm still saying now because I went to the book of Proverbs. Yeah. And sometimes people think that you have to have been married or had to have raised kids to know anything about what is needed but the bible tells us what is needed and that's kind of fortunate because when we have our first kid we have not had kids before yeah and so it's just really valuable to go to the word and see what it says
0: every principle every every parent starts from uh no experience yeah Uh, which is really kind of amazing that god entrusts the raising of human children to other humans. <laughs> like, yeah. It's really kind of a scary thing when you think about it. Um, but it's also kind of an appropriate thing. Like The things that we're learning and growing in, uh, we teach to our children. And it's amazing how much we learn from our children as we grow.
1: Oh, yeah. And it's such a blessing and such a responsibility. And one thing I'd like to mention going in is that, because uh, sometimes when I go over this material, we go over mistakes that parents can make and you you can have a parent just feeling like oh i've done this wrong oh i've done this well children are pretty resilient and when we're honest with our children and honest about our own mistakes and apologize for our own mistakes that models for them what a godly man or a godly woman does you don't pretend Mm -hmm. that you're perfect but when you're messing up as we all will sometimes we we own up to that and decide, oh, I want to do better on that. And that's a huge lesson in and of itself for our kids. Yes, that's right.
0: So as we kind of start this material, I figured we'd introduce ourselves just a little bit on this first episode. I'm Stephen Rouse, and um, Scott and I preach together here in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. I'm also Scott's son-in-law, and so we worked together in Gettysburg for a while, and um, I married his daughter, Brienne, and we have three girls, and so... Uh, I'm a parent and working on young child training at the moment is kind of the trenches that we're in right now. But, Scott, uh, your background?
1: Yeah, so we had, Bertina and I had our first child in 1984 and our last child in 2004. We were blessed with uh, three boys, three girls, and so we still have one at home. So, uh, But he's no longer a minor. He just turned 18. Uh, just this past month. So for the first time since 1984 we don't have a minor child. in the Wow, world.
0: that is a lot of years of, uh, of parenting. So what the goal of doing this is trying to take this material from the book of Proverbs from the Bible. Um, yes. Obviously we're approaching parenting from a, a biblical perspective. We believe that the Bible is God's Word and that it gives us timeless wisdom to apply to our lives. And so that's going to be the, kind of the perspective of this show, is we're reading the Bible as God's word, applying it as God's truth, um, and also wanting to make this available in a podcast format. And so we're going to kind of do you know these episodes, trying to break this material down. So where do you want to start with all of this? Where do you usually start when you do this material?
1: Well, I'd like to start with the question, what kind of homes do our children need? Mm. And I want us to think about it culturally and also uh, within, like, uh, legally in, in state laws and bureaucrats, when they're placing children, like for adoption, they've got some states very, very, very strict rules about what kind of home the child needs to go in. Hmm. And unfortunately, sometimes those rules are kind of the opposite or, or not so relevant as to what children really need Mm, Uh, so we've got i'll begin with this i think today too many times people spend more time and effort on planning the wedding than actually putting into the marriage Oh
0: yeah sometimes there's thousands and thousands of dollars and
1: everything has to be just right you know the, the 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 texture of this fabric has to be just this to exactly match that color over there, and this has, everything has to be just right because we're trying to impress people and and show off. Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm not saying don't have a nice wedding, right? Don't plan your wedding, but if if you spent you know thirty five thousand dollars on your wedding, and three years later you're getting divorced something was upside down mm,
0: yeah and so what we're thinking about here is more putting the planning effort into how we're going to build a home yes in order to bring children into this world and raise those children over a period of decades Yeah, to be able to serve the lord and serve other people and that's just a very different set of priorities than sometimes we go into marriage with and of course as with any marriage we're going to be growing along the way <laughs> and uh I've heard it said before that uh, getting married in some ways is like getting a phone call at 3 in the morning. You you get the ring, and then you wake up. (laughs) Um, And uh, there are just certain things that you learn as you go uh, with marriage and then also with parenting. Absolutely. You you, you have a child, and then you're like, oh, wow, this is what parenting is like. And I remember having the first child and um, bringing them home from the hospital and being like, whoa it is it is here it's like go. so amazing
1: you're looking at this little person you've been waiting for nine months and here they are and like we're astounded you're you're looking at their little eyes and their little fingers and their little toes and it's just like and it's like and you're entrusted with this child yeah so let, let's start talking about now how priorities get misplaced sometimes I'll show a picture I, I, I'll, I'll ask in the audience uh Sometimes in a classroom setting or different things for people to imagine, say, there's a couple over here and they're, you know, newly married and they're out house shopping and maybe they're expecting their first child. And he takes her, he says, Oh, something just came on the market. And I'll show a picture of the log cabin that Abe Lincoln was born in, or maybe the next door neighbor log cabin, they're not quite sure. Uh, and imagine that, you know, your husband takes you there and there's this dumpy looking <laughs> one one room log cabin no s- sewage system no water and of course the average one would say there's a, I cannot bring my baby into the world in this house this this absolutely will not do and then I show this really classical looking house with real nice lines and everything that was John Wil Roo- Booth John Wilkes Booth's house. Oh, and, of course, the point is what?
0: We know how those guys turned out, and it wasn't because of the quality of house that they were raised in, like the quality of the building that they were yeah. raised
1: in. Yeah, and that doesn't mean that I would recommend that you go out and find a house with no plumbing. Uh, you <laughs> know, it's, it's, plumbing's a pretty useful thing, even though our ancestors didn't have it. But, like, um... In some states, if you're going to adopt a child, you know the child has to have their own room. Uh, maybe they even have to have their own bathroom. Uh, there, there can't be in some states any lead paint underneath renovation and new paint. Hmm. So you know because some bureaucrats have decided because. In some places where you have peeling paint in dilapidated buildings, unsupervised children might, you know, put some paint flakes in their mouth and and have a problem because of the lead. Well, of course, if you've got just flakes of unleaded paint, don't do that. But all these rules that sometimes make it really hard. Oh, and of course, in some states you cannot physically discipline the child. So the child has to have, say, X number of square feet, has to have this amount of privacy, can't be physically disciplined, can't have any lead paint in the home. And yet, you look around the nation today and how do our young people seem to be doing?
0: Yeah, there's some doing well, but by and large, uh, it's headed in a rough direction.
1: Yeah, I saw some statistics recently that and it's not that if you need to see a therapist see a therapist but there is a huge huge percentage of young people in this country that now need to see a therapist once a week and what and a lot of them are being raised in broken homes in homes where there's no parents there and you know it really doesn't matter how many square feet you have or how modern the house is. If you don't have a relationship with mom and dad, and you you don't have security, and you don't know they love you, and you're not being trained and raised right, mm-hmm. you're being left to the wolves, no yeah. matter how nice the house is.
0: Yeah, and that's right. It's just children cannot raise themselves. Right. Uh, they need adult guidance. and. Though we're going to be imperfect in that, we're going to make, we're going to fail, we're going to, uh, you know, make mistakes along the way. Absolutely. Children, it's amazing. Um, and I think I've heard you made this point, make this point before, that it's amazing, like in the animal kingdom, how short, uh, you know, little bitty baby animals are yeah. with their parents is like a few days, a few weeks, and then humans, it's like, whoa, there's this long developmental period where the child is growing and developing and needing a lot of guidance um, all along the way. And so God intends, I mean, even the way he designed humanity to say, hey, we need tra- training for all these years.
1: Yeah, a, a, a robin will peck its way out of an egg and within two or three weeks or so, it's it's out of the nest and then eventually doesn't see its parents anymore. Uh, a cat, you know, after some weeks, it a lot of cats never saw a daddy cat Mm -hmm. (laughs) but they they don't need mama cat that long but I was impressed one time we had a stray cat show up at the house and one night it was kind of pawing at the door and Bertine said I think it's going to have babies so i put a box outside next morning there's kittens in it and I, I tell you that mama cat took her job seriously I watched her catch a mouse I didn't see her catch the mouse, but I saw her bring the mouse to the kittens. It had not killed the wow. mouse, but it came and it, it brought the mouse and dropped it in front of the kittens to teach them. Here's, how you, how, yeah, the here's, here's <laughs> how you do it. And even though she didn't have much time with those kittens, she took her job seriously. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's it's we need to get back to that. Let's take a look at a couple of verses here in Proverbs. Um, Proverbs chapter 15, verse 16 and 17. Better is a little with the fear of the Lord than great treasure and trouble with it. Better is a dinner of herbs or vegetables where love is than a fattened ox and hatred with it.
0: Yeah, man. And so these are like 3,000-year-old Proverbs, but you can just see... The wisdom in comparing—it's not about how nice the house is, how much stuff you have. Yeah, it's far better to have a home where there's the fear of the Lord and love, rather than great treasure and a fattened Mm -hmm. ox and all this stuff. Um, And sometimes it's easy to get our priorities out of whack.
1: Absolutely. So you got you got a lot of people, uh, mom and dad both working full time, you know, uh, and sometimes overtime and going on trips. the kids away somewhere for the summer. Well, he's he's in daycare when he's a baby and he's being watched by people that they're watching him to get money and they're watching him along with 30 other kids. Uh, and I've, I've known of people working daycares who were told, for instance, they wanted to pick up the babies and hold them and they were told don't because uh, then they'll, they'll want it more. And babies would be leftists, bang their heads against the wall and such. Uh, and, and then, and then the kids are off here and they're off there. And then they come home from school. There's nobody home. Uh, a lot, percentage-wise, a lot of teenage pregnancies occur or conceived between three and five in the afternoon because mm. the kids are just home. So they got this big McMansion. Nobody's there. And and then when the parents are there they're not spending that much time with the kids, and then the kids are on their phone and on the computer, and you just have all this disconnect, and so here were these years and years and years that could have been used for protecting, building character, and instilling all the things that child could use, and it's just not there.
0: Yeah. And like you said, a similar verse here in Proverbs seventeen one: uh, "Better is a dry morsel with quiet than a house full of feasting with strife." Um, and, and and again, there's there's so much intersection between the the quality of the marriage and then the quality of the training that the children are going to get because um, they're watching the parents to see yeah. how they're interacting with each other and uh, you know how things are going and and just the the kids knowing that there's love in the home and i realize that not everyone starts from a, a level playing field when it comes to the home and marriage and the the, the home that they grew up in i mean a lot of times our, our marriages are modeled after you know the things that we saw our parents do a lot of times our parenting is modeled after the parenting that we received and some of us are at a disadvantage in that and all of us can come to god's word though and see okay what are the principles? that God has preserved for us um, in parenting, and marriage, that they're going to give our children a better opportunity maybe than we had growing up. Um, if you've been raised in a stable family, stable place, thank God for that. That's a huge blessing. But uh, there's a there's a song lyric that I like, um, and, it, and it asks, can we lend a better hand than the one that we've been dealt? And I like that, that principle, that thought of, One of the things that Scripture equips us to do is to look at where we've come from and the home that we grew up in and then to say, okay, how can I help the next generation to do better?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, And most everybody, if you look at your own parents, you can see things that you're really thankful for and that they did well. And you can also sometimes look and see here's something where – they could have done better. If each generation takes the wisdom from the prior generation and fine-tunes it, Man, you can be getting better, but that's generally not the way life works. Sometimes we tend to think our parents didn't know anything, we get rebellious, we have bad attitudes. I had excellent parents. Uh, I I've made way too many mistakes in my life compared to what i should have done if i would have fully listened to my parents uh but in in every family if you go back a ways there's somebody that just ended a destructive cycle and decided i'm going to do it different so sometimes some of the best parents come not from somebody who had excellent parents although that's a huge advantage I've seen people who were raised, who had terrible parents, but they've they resolved and do wonderfully because they know what the terrible side is, and they're determined they're going to do different. Um, so like uh, in, in my ancestry, like my great-grandfather was just a scoundrel. Uh, and I've seen the telegram of when somebody finally shot him and killed him, wow. and was not a great loss to society once he was gone. Um, and you know if if you look back in your family tree, there's there there's you know there's a bunch of adulterers and drunkards and, and abusers and different things. but then there are people that do it's like the children of alcoholics. If you've got an alcoholic, Some of his kids are probably going to be alcoholics, but some of them are going to do what?
0: Decide, that is not what I'm going to give to my kids.
1: Yeah, yeah. And so kudos to all those people out there who were raised in very difficult homes and maybe without a father or maybe an abusive father or horrible situations, but decided, I'm going to be there for my family. Mm -hmm.
0: That's right. And all of us are going to make mistakes as we parent, no matter how good of a upbringing yeah. we had. Yeah. And, and one of the things that we'll see as we work through the scriptures on this is that God has high expectations for parents. He calls us to be responsible and to care about our children and to and to try to see really what, what should the priorities be. But even as we make mistakes and fail, there's grace. And yeah. As you said earlier, children are resilient. Um, it's not that like one mistake and the whole thing's over. Um, is that we can we can grow, we can repent, and there's a parenting is a process, and I've certainly seen this. I mean, my oldest is six years old right now, and uh, we've learned some things in six years, and yeah. uh, we currently have a, a seven month old, and um, we're we're trying to learn as we go as we parent subsequent kids.
1: Yeah, I have. I, I look back, I've made so many mistakes, uh, and have need to make so many apologies, but that's that's what we need to do when we've made mistakes is is own it up most people know somebody at work or in the community or in their family that is quote never wrong Mm. it's never their fault they're never wrong they're etc etc and we don't want our kids to be that when we grow up when they see mom or dad realize you know what I, I handled that wrong and I'm really sorry, I should have listened to you and I was in a bad mood and I shouldn't have spoken to you that way, I'm sorry. It It's not that the child's world is crushed because they thought, up until now I thought dad was the perfect person. <laughs> okay. Now he, he heard me using that grouchy voice, he saw me being impatient. Um pretending it didn't happen ain't going to change anything Um, except teach him you don't apologize you don't admit when you're wrong Uh, yeah. so you do own up to it and he starts to oh that's what a man does when a man's wrong he does own up to it Mm -hmm. and he does apologize and that helps mold the kind of man he's going to be
0: that's right and again all this comes back to those biblical principles of uh, repentance, humility uh, learning to uh, admit when we're wrong.
1: Let's let's look at some of these principles here. So let's start with Deuteronomy chapter six. Uh, this is uh, let's just start with verse four because it's the what Jesus says is the greatest commandment of all. Mm. Deuteronomy six, verse four: Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. And then, what does it say next?
0: You shall teach them diligently to your children, and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house, and on your gates
1: yeah it's raising children in the lord doesn't mean you take them to church it includes that but that's not raising your children in the lord this needs to be in the home Uh, i
0: appreciate that it says there you know the greatest command is to love the lord your god with everything you've got and then he says first in verse 6 these words i command you shall be on your heart and you know sometimes if we adopt the do as i say and not as i do mentality to parenting it's not doesn't work and, and biblically it says yeah. first you apply right. god's word to yourself right and then teach them diligently to your children
1: yeah and then to the children in ephesians 6 it says children obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. And then in verse four, it says, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Fathers, bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord, Ephesians 6, 4. And too often what we do while we're getting that nice house and making more money and buying these toys and planning that expensive vacation to Disney World because we've been ignoring the kids all year and we need to make some, quote, family memories, you know, and then, but oh, we, we got to make sure we will get in some time and take them to church. I mean, just demographically, statistically, most people in this country grew up going to church, probably that doesn't mean they're going now Mm -hmm. and there's a lot of kids now that never darkened the door of the church but their grandparents did it has to be deeper than oh i took them to church that is not going to do it they need that raising they need that interact like when you're when you're walking in the way uh discuss things with your kids get them involved make it a home that well what did joshua say for the rest of you, you know, if you don't want to serve God, you know, you can pick out what pagan idol you're gonna serve, but as for me and for my house, we will serve the Lord.
0: That's right. And and you see that uh, it's fascinating in scripture to see the passage of time and, and how different generations affect the next generation. Absolutely. And how every generation has to choose to serve the lord every household as for me and my house we're going to serve the lord but it's interesting how you see and you see this a lot in the book of kings uh, some really rotten kings had sons who rose above yeah that yeah and then some really good kings yeah. david most notably had some really rotten kids and it's really fascinating to think about. There, there's a balance here of like individual accountability. God holds us all accountable for what we'll, the choices that we make. But we can also rise above where we've come from, or we can waste the advantage yes. that we've been given.
1: Absolutely. In uh, David, everybody's familiar with Absalom and what a terrible son he was. But also Adonijah.
0: So Mm -hmm.
1: in 1 Kings chapter 1, David is in his old age. He is about to die. Solomon is supposed to be the next king. David's getting close to death, and what does Adonijah do? Is he mourning that he's about to, you know, be separated from his father? Is he, you know, thinking, how can I you know, respect, you know, my father, the king. No, here's what Adonijah does. He exalted himself and said, I'm going to be king. And without any permission mm-hmm. from David, he, he just gets himself chariots, horsemen, 50 men to run in front of him. And the next verse says, his father, I'm in mean, uh, 1 Kings chapter 1, uh, verse uh, 6. His father had never at any time displeased him by asking Why have you done thus and so?
0: Oh, wow. Yeah, I'd forgotten about that verse.
1: Terrible parenting. That is rough. Just (laughs) terrible parenting. And uh, and by the way, things are not going to end up real well for Adonijah. Uh, Let's take a look at Titus chapter 2. This is uh, uh, verse 1. As for you, this is Titus chapter 2. As for you, teach what accords with sound doctrine. And I want to pause for a second and mention this phrase. Generally, what do people think about when they hear the phrase sound doctrine? Uh,
0: Maybe the the organization of the church, you know, kind of some deep theological points.
1: Yeah. So it's what we do at church or what we do with the money given to the church or what theology we teach. And sound doctrine just means healthy teaching. And sound doctrine should include those things, but it's not limited to those things. Um, And one of the ways to illustrate that is just, in the teachings of Jesus, how much of it is about what we do on Sunday at church? Not a whole lot. Because that's not our entire week. So, the, the Jesus and the Gospels and the prophets, they're talking about how we actually live and what goes on in our lives and in our homes. So listen to what Paul talks and calls sound doctrine. As for you, this is again Titus 2 verse 1, as for you, teach what accords with sound doctrine. Older men are to be what?
0: Sober-minded, dignified, self-controlled, sound in faith, in love, and in steadfastness.
1: Yeah. That's that's sound doctrine. That's well, daily character. Yeah, yeah. And steadfastness is going to include being reliable. Mm-hmm. And as a father, you need to be reliable. You've got people depending on you. You, you. They're depending on you financially, but it's got to go deeper than financial. Then older women, likewise, are to be what?
0: reverent in behavior, not slanderers or slaves to much wine. They ought to teach what is good, and so train the young women to love their husbands and children.
1: Yeah, to love, so train the young women to love their husbands and children. We live in a world where a woman that's devoted to her family is often looked down on. Ah, uh, that's, that's a beautiful thing. There's To to love their husbands, love their children, to be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind, and submissive to their own husbands that the word of God may not be reviled. That's sound doctrine. And if that home is blessed with children, part of loving them is not never at any time displeasing them by questioning their actions. So, coming back now to the book of Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 24. Whoever spares the rod hates his son, but he who loves him is diligent to discipline. Now let's note here, this is not talking about abusing children. Uh, this The motive here is love. It's not, I'm angry at the child, uh, I'm going to get even with the child, um, I'm going to take this out on the child. There's a lot of people that are in jail for child abuse, and a lot more people ought to be in jail. But biblical discipline here is, you're correcting the child because you don't want them to end up being like Adonijah. Mm -hmm. I mean, what if you and I had been given everything we wanted and our parents just let us do anything we wanted?
0: Yeah, this is not a good path. And, and, And it's appealing on the surface to think, oh, I want my child to feel loved. I don't want my child to think I'm their enemy. But it's one of those situations where things that sound good up front does not bear good fruit down the road. And if you are ever in a situation where you're, you know, in charge of children or a classroom or you know, just situations where discipline is needed, if you fail to discipline and provide negative consequences for actions, it's just going to go crazy. Like this is not the way people work. And so, God has given us wisdom here that yes, can be misinterpreted, it can be misused, and is at times misused. But biblically, the core of this yeah. is timeless wisdom.
1: Oh yeah, yeah and the child there's another proverb said a child that gets his own way brings shame to his mother and it doesn't make for a happy and secure child um you will have noticed in in raising your girls and i noticed it when we were raising ours that sometimes things start to get a little bit you know you start seeing a little bit of attitude and some different things and then when you bring things back into place that child, they're just they're just in a better place. They're happier. They're more secure. They want to please their parents, and it's a loving, good environment.
0: And, and this is where Proverbs is just so good, because really, in some ways, the goal of the Book of Proverbs is to get us to think about the consequences of our actions before yes. we do the actions. Yes, it's getting us to think ahead. And so many times you think, "I want my kid to be happy." And we think, well, the thing to be happy is to do nice things for them and like give them what they want. Well that has actually some negative consequences. And of course, it's not that we never give them what they right. want. We delight right. in giving good gifts to our children. Yes. The Bible uses yes. positive parenting analogies to talk about God taking care of us. Yeah. But God also disciplines us. And so as we think about God dealing with us, that's also a model on some levels for how we help our children to actually be happy.
1: Yes. And, and when we teach our children to obey us, we are prepping them to submit their will to a more important father. Mm-hmm. And, and sometimes a parent might feel, oh, I'm being selfish because I'm trying to make the child do it this way instead of what they want to do. Oh, that's not selfish. You're teaching the child not to be selfish. And if you let that child grow up thinking they don't need to listen to their parents. They don't need to have any self-control. They don't need to have any respect for authority. They can do whatever they want in disobeying you. Don't expect that child to have a healthy attitude towards God. Mm. So in Proverbs chapter 1, verse 8, Hear, my son, your father's instruction. Forsake not your mother's teaching. Um, Your parents aren't going to be perfect but you know what? They know more than that two-year-old does. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and they know more than that 11-year-old does. And that, that thir- I, one time I was talking, I was called to talk to a woman and her 13-year-old child. And there was a rift. And the teenager was kind of sullen. And, and I was talking to him. I said, do you think your mom knows what it's like to be a 13-year-old? And the 13-year-old goes, no. <laughs> 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 and of course, I pointed out, and actually she does because she used to be a 13-year-old girl. You don't know what it's like to be an adult mother responsible for a 13-year-old. Mm-hmm. So children need to listen. And then parents, let's do one more verse here. Proverbs 22, verse 6. We'll come back to this text again and again. Uh, Stephen, you want to read that for us, please?
0: Yeah, uh, Proverbs 22, 6. Train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. Amen. And I've appreciated what you've pointed out at different times about this this verse. Is It, it doesn't just say control a child. It doesn't just say make sure that they behave in a certain way outwardly. And, of course, we can come back to this right, and the training right. of the heart. But training a child is not just raising a child. And right. it's not just controlling a child. Right. It is teaching them diligently. Like yeah. Deuteronomy talked about. Yeah. And and trying to get through to the heart. Yeah. Um, that is so much of really what God's trying to do with us yeah. in scripture is not just control outward behavior and give us a bunch of rules to check off, but he's trying to get to our hearts. That's why the greatest command is to love the lord your god with all your heart uh, all your uh, soul mind strength and so it's uh it's powerful to think about these principles from proverbs and again what we're able to do with scripture is we're looking back you know on hundreds and even sometimes thousands of years of history and seeing how these different things played out and the the proof of the wisdom
1: and in some future podcasts, we'll get into some traps and mistakes that it's that it's easy to fall into, like being inconsistent uh, or think we don't have time, and a lot of other things. Uh, and we can learn a lot just by looking at that and realize, oh, yeah. And, and as we do that, it doesn't mean beat yourself up. Oh, no, I made that mistake. You know, God's given you a lot of years with that kid. And we can acknowledge, oh, I made a mistake. We're going to start doing it the way the Bible says now. And guess who's going to benefit? That little boy, that little girl. Amen.
0: Well, thank you all so much for listening to the podcast today. Um, We hope that this episode is helpful to you. Um, We'd love it if you would subscribe or leave us a rating and review. We're just getting started on the podcast right now. This will help us to get this material to more people. Um, If you're interested in studying the Bible with us or you have questions about the material, please feel free to reach out to us. 717-585-0949. You can text or call that number, or email us at capitalcitychristians at gmail.com. Or for more information, check out capitalcitychristians.com. Thanks so much for listening.